reality is the life that God has called us to is a life of giving back. And so we've looked these past few weeks and realized that uh, five star members, they serve Christ faithfully. And five-star members, they live missions personally. They don't just outsource it to some missionary organization. They live missions personally. And last week, we learned that five-star members embrace membership biblically. So this week, I want to challenge you this week on the fourth message in the series with the idea that five-star members trust God financially. Now, if you have a Bible, when I think about trusting God and finances and putting God to the test in, in, the, in that area of financial uh, arena, there, there's a passage that always comes to mind with me. And so uh, let me invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to Malachi chapter three this morning. That's on the left side of the Bible. All right, guys. And this morning, uh, we're going to I got some. The bad news is this. We're going to talk about something that, quite frankly, most folks don't ever want to talk about. Let's talk about this and, the, the, you know, prayer and grace and mercy and all those things. But let's talk, talk about generosity or, or giving or those kinds of things. So that's kind of the bad news is we're going to address something uh, that most folks don't want to talk about. And the good news is, though, is we're not going to talk about it a, a whole, whole long time or a lot of time. But hopefully that'll make sense here uh, in just a, a few minutes. Now, uh, here's this issue with, with the idea of giving. For whatever reason, I can trust God with so many areas of my life. And I ask people, do you trust God for eternity? Absolutely. Do you trust God's uh, provision to forgive you for sin? Absolutely. Do you trust God to be faithful in, in times when life is not going well, in trials and seasons of difficulty and even periods of suffering? Absolutely. I trust God at a deep level. But the hardest thing, the hurdle that so many people stumble on is the simple thing of trusting God with my finances, of coming to the place and recognizing that, you know what? God knows more than I do about money. That when the Bible says, hey, here's some strong warnings about debt, I can trust God's counsel. That when the Bible says, hey, here's some things about, about saving and, and the principle of that, that I can trust God's counsel. And the ultimate trust of whether I the trust in God when it comes to finances is the area of giving. And here's why. Because every time that I give away, I've got to trust God to meet my needs and not trust in my own self. That's the ultimate idea of trusting God financially is that when I give it away, I expect God to meet my needs and fill in the gaps. And I can say that I trust God in every area of my life. But this is the area that so many people just say, you know what? I can't trust God with that. I I, I can't go to that level. There's there's an area of my life that's unsurrendered because I just can't trust God in that arena. Now, let me just give you a little disclaimer this morning. Most of the time when a church addresses the idea of giving and generosity, we talk about generosity a lot. It's because there's some kind of need and, and we're, we're under budget. And so, Pastor, you've got to get up and preach a message on giving and hopefully giving increases. And, and if it doesn't increase, then preach it again next week, but a little angrier that time. And hopefully people respond to that, right? Now, let me just tell you this, this one. This is not reactive. This is totally planned as a part of this series. This idea that when I'm embracing membership, that there's a part of that that requires me giving back in so many areas. And this is one of those areas. And so we're doing fine. There's nothing to panic about. Uh, let me just give you a little little financial update about uh, where, where we kind of have been. Uh, we've paid off uh, about five or six hundred thousand dollars worth of debt in the last 24 months. And so that's been exciting. Uh, the last uh, finance team meeting we had, uh, our cash on hand was just just under a quarter million cash on hand. OK, we're, we're as far ahead of budget in the summer months as we've ever been in this facility ever. And so we're, we're doing fine. And so no, nobody's panicked. I'm not mad at anybody. OK, I'm not I'm not mad. One person's excited about it. nobody else. Is, everybody else is really quiet. 
But here's what I believe and what I can prove this morning, that while we're doing well, and listen, I praise you a lot for being generous because in comparison to other churches, when I compare apples to apples with other churches of like size, we we are just beating the pants off of them. Okay, we are just setting the mark in generosity compared to other churches. But but that's that. And while that's good and that's something to be excited about, it's also an indicator of how poor other churches are doing, because despite the fact that we're doing well in comparison, there's room for so much more. Let me give you some stats this morning. Over the past three years, uh, our attendance is up, uh, depending on if we look year to date or this quarter, between 61 and 66 percent. We've grown in the last three years, but our giving's only up 12 percent. Fourteen percent of active members. These are not tenders. These are members. People have signed an alliance and they count me in. Fourteen percent of active members have yet to give a recorded gift. And so obviously there, there's some growth that could take place there. All right. And generosity. When we look and think about giving units, these are not members. These are just people that attend and they're not members. But if you ask them, uh, where's your church home and where do you go to church? They would say Liberty Heights. Uh, that's where I do that. And so it, we would just call that a person that gave some kind of recorded gift, uh, not changing the offering plate unless you write your name on your money. And I don't know if that's legal or not. But anyway. But, but you just say, listen, I, I gave some kind of recorded gift. We would call that a giving unit. It's how we track that in our database. Doesn't that just feel warm and fuzzy, a giving unit? I feel relational. So of the 413 giving units that we have in the church, 413 giving units in our database, 118 gave less than $500 last year. It's 29%. 145 of those units gave less than $1,000. That's about $19.50 a week. And so that means combined that 64% of our giving units average less than $20 a week in giving, about $19.60 a week, almost two-thirds. And so, so I think we can agree pretty conclusively that while we're doing better than most churches, while we're not in a panic financially, while we, you know, our cash on hand is good and we're reducing debt and all those kinds of things, there's room for so much more that God can do through us in the area of generosity. Let me give you uh, just a, an idea of the potential. We have 291 active member households. All right. So I'm not counting my, my, my four year old, my, my nine year old, I'm not counting, just a household. OK, active member households, not regular tenders members. And so I took those two hundred ninety one active households and I took the average income of Liberty Township. I looked it up on the census report and I decreased it by twenty thousand dollars. OK, lest you accuse me of giving evangelist numbers. All right. So I decreased that by twenty thousand. If those families who are members would give 10%, that would result in an annual budget of almost $2.5 million a year, about a million dollars more than what we're doing right now. You know what? If we gave at that level and just reached our potential, then guess what? We could pay this building off in, in, in this decade. So, so the idea is we're not, we're not doing poorly. I, look, look at my face. Look how pretty it is. I'm not mad. All right? I'm not mad at anybody. This is not reactive. This is just a part of, of recognizing that when God calls me to something, God calls me to give back and to be generous. And so, uh, so I just want to walk through. Now, now, here's the good news. That's the bad news. We're going to talk about a subject that most folks don't like out of Malachi 3. But the good news is this. We're just going to talk for a few minutes, really. And, and you'll find out why, and hopefully it may all make sense at the end. And if it doesn't, uh, well, it's your fault. I don't know how. But anyway, hey, listen, A.W. Tozer said this. Great author, great writer said this. He said, the man of weak faith will fight for his verbal creed but refused flatly to allow himself to get into a predicament where his future must depend upon that creed being true. He always provides himself with secondary ways of escape so he'll have a way out if the roof caves in. What we need badly in these days is a company of Christians who are prepared to trust God as completely now as they must do at the last judgment day. What a great statement. 
And so what Tozer is saying is the measure and the depth of our faith is not whether we think we'll go to heaven when we die. It's that, that time in between we're born and when we go to eternity, that dash in between of whether we not we trust God with every area of our lives. That's the true measure and depth of a person's faith. And so let's look at Malachi chapter 3 this morning for a few minutes. And this is a passage that, quite frankly, some of the angriest messages I've ever heard on giving have come out of this passage. There's a chance if you've ever sat under this passage and someone has taught it, you've been called a God-robbing thief. And they were angry. They weren't smiling at all, okay? But there's some great passages and great principles in this. So let's walk through this. Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Now, if you didn't grow up in church, a tithe, it just means a tenth. And so a lot of folks talk about tithing. What are they talking about? Giving 10% of your first fruits, your offering, those kind of things. So, so he says, you've robbed, robbed me in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. Now, in some of your, your translations, it says, test me. And then that test is really a test of trust. And so he's saying, hey, tr- do, do, you, do you trust me enough to test me on this issue? And then there's some incredible promises out of that, that when we trust God at that level. He says, try me now in this or test me, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your, your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fall, fail to bear fruit. Says the Lord, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And so when I trust God in this area of generosity and finances, he says, when you test me on this, when you trust me, there's some promises. He says, number one in verse 10, he says, I'll provide for you. He he says, test me on this and watch how I pour it out on you. Watch how I overflow with the blessing. Secondly, in verse 11, look what he says. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He says, I'll provide protection. Is that the Spirit of God or is that my microphone? (laughs) He says, I'll provide protection. There'll be times when it doesn't make sense when you give and and I'll fill in the gaps and I'll protect. I'll I'll meet your needs. I'll do all of those things. And then lastly, in verse 12, he says this, and all the nations will call you blessed. He says, when you pursue generosity, when you test me on this, when you try me on this, your life will become attractive to other people. People look and say, you know what? They're so generous. It doesn't even make sense. Let me use that. Well, it doesn't even make sense. I could break this passage down for you. And we could talk about things like, what what is this storehouse? Is that the equivalent to the church? Is that an Old Testament term? We we could get into what's the New Testament? We're no longer under the law. We're under grace. And does that mean that we give less or we give more? And and a tithe, is that a fixed percentage? And so many times behind that question of what is a tithe? So many times what we're really asking is how little can I give and keep God happy? And we could talk about well, what was the Old Testament? What is this 23 percent in the Old Testament? I've heard some people teach that. And we could talk about all those things. But here's where I'm at this morning on this issue of generosity and giving. I'm a firm believer that the issue is not ignorance. The issue most oftentimes is motivation. And so I could spend the next 25 minutes breaking down this passage for you and teaching through this exegetically. But here's what I'm going to do instead. I'm going to show you a video, a little clip this morning, a testimony. And I'm going to set this up. For the last seven years, I've been a generosity consultant to churches. And this last year, I moved my consulting under the umbrella of a group called Generis. 
And the founder of Generous is a guy named Don Linscott. And Don, I've, I've seen Don's testimony. It's so powerful. And here's why Don says, you know what? We, we should be generous to the work of what God is doing in the church. And so, uh, so I'm, I want you to watch this video. And it answers the question, why? Why should we be generous here at Liberty Heights Church? And so let's roll this video.